0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Raise to Empower podcast. I'm really excited about our guest today as I've actually been a fan of her podcast for a while. Our guest today is Julie Harris. She is an expert in profit first who has helped hundreds of private practice owners gain financial freedom founder of Green Oak Accounting, the country's largest firm serving the mental health industry. Julie is an accountant, consultant, speaker, author of Profit First for Therapists, and hosts the Therapy for Your Money podcast. Julie lives in Virginia with her husband, three kids, and three dogs. Julie, I'm so excited to have you here today. Ashley, me too. Thank you for having me. So I always like to find out a little bit of how people got into whatever it is that they're doing. And so I'm curious how you got into accounting, but especially specifically for therapists, like what kind of led you in that direction?
1: Yeah. Well, so when I um when I started my accounting firm and there, there's a whole whole story there about like money and kind of financial baggage, but um I was a generalist, right? So I worked for you know for other people. And then even when I started my own business, I was I worked with everybody and everyone. And um a few years in I realized like I don't think this is working because I can't possibly know everything I need to do to help my clients in construction and restaurants and this and that. like sure. it just it, It's just so much, right? I decided that I really wanted to focus in on a, a very specific niche. So my team and I kind of got together and looked at who are the clients that we love working with and we're, we're able to have a really big impact. Um, and unequivocally, our answer was therapists. Uh, we had a, a, a handful of therapist clients because of one of my um long time and one of one of my favorite clients ernie and so he kept he had kept sending us referrals and we realized like these are the clients that we really love working with they are highly educated uh very smart very hungry for the information that we have to share right so there's this thirst for knowledge that i found really interesting uh because then we can it, it's not just like hey i'm going to throw you the keys you take care of the accounting and don't bother me with it there's this real uh interest in how, how are things working under the hood of my, my business. And our clients are also taking our advice, implementing what we were um, sharing with them. And that felt really good. So we decided to really hone in. Then we also realized when we're sharing things with our clients, when we're saying, Hey, we're noticing our financially profitable or successful clients are doing this. Why don't you try that? Our, our clients who were struggling were able to turn their businesses around. So that's when we really started looking at the data and saying, we can help clients in such a deeper way when we're hyper-focused on one specific industry. That's how it all got started. Which I think is interesting because hearing even
0: like in other fields besides therapists and mental health that like you can niche down. And that's one of the things that we always struggle with. I think as therapists of like, Oh, I, I have to serve everybody, but you even saw, you're like, I can't know everything about all of these different industries. And that translates to our work. Absolutely. too.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's some, like in restaurants, you have to deal with cost of goods sold and sales tax. And like, now that's things I don't, I don't know nothing about because I'm so far in, right. So there's, you can, you can hyper-specialize and become an expert in that one particular thing and then not know about other things. And that's, that's okay too. Absolutely. Have you found like one specific thing or
0: maybe an area that therapists tend to have a blind spot with more than others when it comes to accounting or finances?
1: Um, Well, certainly uh, taxes are one area where there's just a lot, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Right. And so for startups, that tends to be at least uh, for that first year in business, a blind spot that can also be pretty painful come tax time. I find also that compensation is an area where a lot of Mm. uh, people struggle where, um, you know, when they're moving into group practice, it's not uncommon for us to hear from our new onboarding clients, they, then we ask them like, how did you determine this? How did you decide on this compensation structure? And they'll say something like, oh, well, I asked around in a Facebook group and you know, that's what people said they were doing. And while that might work for them, the question that was not asked is, is this profitable for you? Can hmm. you can you cover your expenses by, by paying people this way? There's often a blind spot without running the numbers. And I find that that's one area where we are excellent, where we can really look at, here's what can work you and does the math make sense?
0: Yeah. Looking at the numbers, which we, I think a lot of times in our field are like, <laughs> I don't do numbers. I don't want to look at it, but, but it's what helps us make informed
1: decisions. Yeah. And, and it's not about the, the numbers are not judging you, right? They're not, mm. they, they have no agenda. The numbers will tell you, can you do something? Yes or no. Right. Or are you willing to make the sacrifices to make this, this work? Ultimately You have one pot of money coming in and you have 100% of that to spend or do something with, right? So all of your allocations, the percentage that goes to you, the percentage that goes to taxes, all that has to add up to 100% somehow so we don't get a pass on math.
0: Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. One of the things I was really excited to talk with you about today is how I think there's a disservice that has been done for a lot of women with finances and especially moms. And I'll kind of share what I mean by that. That if we are a mom and we decide, you know what, it just is what I want to do or what makes sense for me to stay home with my children either after having the baby or adopting or at a different period of time in life. But we're not necessarily taught to prepare ourselves long-term financially during that time. One of the things I've seen and heard is kind of like this off-ramp that can happen when women do take that leave and that during that time, we're not setting aside money for retirement or, you know, paying into social security or things like that. And I'm curious, we'll get into a little bit more about kind of profit first, but what you have seen when it comes to women and moms and this kind of I don't know if blind spot is the right word, but it's just, I feel like this like vacuum that doesn't, that like, doesn't have this information available to a lot of us to kind of think through some of these things. And then we're left being like, wait, I wasn't prepared for this or
1: I missed what this. happened. What happened? Yeah. Well, so I remember growing up when my grandfather passed away, uh, my grandmother wrote her very first check that next week, she had never mm-hmm. written a check. She had never paid a bill. She did not know how to do any of those things. Um, And I remember as a a teenager thinking that's, that's crazy. Like I need to, to know about this and know what's going on in my life because here she is with holding all this grief and learning all these things for the first time at 70 years old. Like that's not, that's not okay. And, and in her case, at least he had taken care of her, but sometimes women are in the situation where um, there's a spouse, you know, actively sabotaging right. the financial situation, right? In a case of divorce or, or or something like that going on. And so, and so I'm a firm believer that um, as accountants, our role is to educate versus just do the thing for the client, right? Um, And and that's kind of old school accounting. You don't see that nearly as much anymore of like, oh, just don't worry about it, sweetie. Let me take care of it. Yeah, Um, That is not at all what I think is in service of the client. I think our clients should understand what is happening and how just the basic mechanics of the financial of their of their practice. Uh, that doesn't mean that they need to become accountants and learn all about taxes. Sure. Right? that that is you always need an expert on your side. Just like I'm not going to become a legal expert just because I'm a business owner. Like I yeah. don't have that in me. But just understanding kind of some of the basic parameters, I think for any business owner that is extremely helpful. But maybe even more so for women who. Might not do that at home to understand how the pieces work. I think that's that's necessary and in service to to everyone to be in control of that. No,
0: I know when I first was starting in practice, I didn't have kids at the time, and it was the first time I'm like, oh, I have control over like how much money I'm bringing in. I did not have a system (laughs) at the time, and I look back and I'm like, oh my goodness, this several years of where I was making good money, but I wasn't planning for my future. I wasn't setting stuff up so that I'm protected or taken care of should something happen. And I was later able to look at it differently. It's like this light bulb of, oh my goodness. Again, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I think, again, I always tell people I went into social work because I don't do numbers, (laughs) but, but that like, I didn't have to be as scared of it as I think I was. And I I know I'm not alone in that.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I'm on a mission, right? In, in part with this book, but in, also with my accounting firm, I want practice owners to be unapologetic about being profitable. I want every practice out there to be profitable because it deserves to be. But I feel like often we're trying to convince our clients that like, you deserve to make money. You have to get paid to, for what you do. And it, this is this is a problem that I think is especially prevalent in, in the mental health industry that practice owners will think of everyone else before they think of themselves, yeah. right? The clients, the community, their team members, if they have a team and like, wait, what about you? If you are not making enough money to support your own household, whatever right. that household may look like, that is not, that is a disservice to everyone involved, to your clients, uh, to your, to your team, to everyone, right? If you're not able to, to stay in business, that is not helping anyone, sure. if you're, worried about money while you're in session, that's not in service of anyone, right? So I I, I want to change this narrative that you have to take a vow of poverty to be a private predator- yeah. practice owner, because that's crazy. That doesn't make any any sense. You deserve to get paid well. Well, and I think that's
0: interesting because I wonder sometimes how much that belief of like the vow of poverty keeps people to from jumping in of like, oh, I don't think sure. I can, can do this or make that living wage because we are used to being underpaid by so many people, but that one of the unique things of being a business owner and working for yourself is you get to really take control of what you want that to look like and who you want to serve and what you want to charge. If you want to take insurance or not take insurance or only take specific ones. And that there has to also be thought in, okay, how do I make those decisions about what kind of money I'm making so that it can provide for me? my family, my long-term needs exactly like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: We've all been told we need to network in our private practice, but no one actually tells us how to do it or what to say. Enter comprehensive connecting, effective scripts that expand your networking community and actually fill your online practice. This free guide will give you effective scripts to connect with fellow clinicians, medical professionals, and community stakeholders to build strong networking relationships that will help fill your practice. In this guide, you will get tips and tricks for building relationships that will lead to referrals in your practice, real life examples of messages used to connect with referral sources, and customizable plug and send scripts for your specific practice needs. So download your free scripts guide today by going to bit.ly forward slash comp connecting. I know you have a new book coming out, um, profit first for therapists, which is really, really exciting. I think when this uh, episode goes live, it actually is coming out tomorrow. Um, so, you know, that's, that's so, so exciting. So tell us a little bit for those who are not familiar with profit first in general we could spend <laughs> multiple episodes going yes. <laughs> through that but give us kind of like a brief understanding of what is profit first
1: yeah so profit first is not an accounting system it is a cash flow management system. I like to say that it, it um, helps you achieve financial freedom so the some of the basic premise of profit first is that it flips the accounting equation upside down. Assuming your, your listeners are mostly business owners, I hope that they all have looked at a profit and loss at some point, right? Or a PL income statement. There's a few different names for it. There. It's all the same thing. In that profit and loss, the accounting equation that you see is income minus expenses equals profit. And so what profit first does, we, we turn that accounting equation upside down. So we have the income minus the profit equals your expenses. By carving out profit at the very beginning, we have a smaller pot available for expenses, but you're able to make that work, right? If you're able to run a private practice on a thousand dollars a month, I know that you're probably able to find a way to run that on $950 a month, right? If you run your practice on $10,000 a month, you're usually able to figure a way to run that on $9,500 a month, for example, right? You're, if you, if you, take your pot of money available and kind of consider it to be smaller, you're usually able to make that work. So we build it into the practice so that it is no longer an afterthought. It is intentional. Because business owners take on a good amount of risk just by being a business owner, right? If clients leave or rent goes up or clinician leaves, like you're the one holding all the cards here. You're the one who has to figure out what to do next. And there, there should be a reward uh, for that risk, so one of the ways that we do that within profit first is that we separate your money into multiple bank accounts, right? We we call this the the small plate uh, principle. So we basically eat from a smaller plate. I was raised in the finish your plate uh, era Mm -hmm. of the eighties. And so for me, (laughs) whether I eat from a big plate or a little plate, I'm probably going to eat all of it unless I spend a lot of mental energy thinking about what I'm eating, right? I'm going to be thinking about, am I leaving this or that? Should I have one more bite? Am I still hungry? Right. I I spend a lot of mental energy, but if I just eat from a smaller plate, I'm naturally going to eat less. When we talk about your money, your smaller plate is multiple bank accounts, So instead of having all your cash go into one big bank account or one big plate, we have multiple smaller plates and they have specific uh, jobs or specific allocations. So we have one bank account, for example, for your operating expenses. That is your rent, your dues and subscriptions, your software, your liability insurance. Then you'll have a plate for profit, obviously. You'll have a bank account for taxes where the business may or may not pay taxes, um, At the federal level right most private practices are passed through entities so the the profit flows through or passes through to the personal tax return where it is taxed but the business can save for taxes and pay them on your behalf and so we have an allocation for that then we have an allocation for uh, owner's pay or payroll there's a couple different ways that we do that depending on if it's a solo practice or group practice Um, and then we have a bank account specifically for all the income coming into the practice. So by um, splitting the money that way, we find that instead of looking at, you know, you see your, you look at your bank balance, which is what most people do just naturally, right? They're going to look at their bank balance on their phone app or on the computer and say, oh, I have all this money. Awesome. I'm going to go spend. When you look at it now, at a glance, you have so much more information. Instead of seeing all that money, you see, oh, but I only have this amount for operating expenses. So can I make This investment in my practice, can I afford this thing? It gives you so much more information at a glance than you would have if you see all the money in one pile.
0: Having used this system and also not used it in the past, it really does... Help you to have a better sense again of not just what's coming in, but like where is it actually going? And if, okay, my expenses are now adding up to more than what I have saved for my expenses, then yeah, I need to pull back and look at that versus just it's all just kind of flowing out of that one account. It really, for me, has given me clarity and information to make an informed decision.
1: Yeah. And when you have that one big account, what that does not tell you is, you know, maybe payroll is due next week and your tax payment was due two weeks ago, but you have another one in June, right? Like there's so many little things like that, where it doesn't account for the ebb and flow of money in the business, or that, you know, as we record this, we're close to the end of the month. You're, if you have rent, your rent payment is due in the next couple of days, right? So it it doesn't look at all those different pieces. Um, So typically, Within Profit First, you're going to transfer money on a regular cadence. For some of our uh, clients, that is weekly. Sometimes it's every other week. But that is a a nice flow also when you're doing it on a regular basis where it's always the same day of the week, for example. You also get some great information on what money is coming in, right? Let's say you do your transfers every other Monday. You're going to really get a sense of how much money is usually in there. And then Mm. if all of a sudden one Monday it's off, Either up or down, you can get to fact finding right away. You can say, "Okay, what's going on here? Did we slow down on billing? Like some of our clients have self-identified a billing issue from that much much faster than if it's mixed into everything else. Sure. Sometimes you can say, "Was everyone on vacation? Did I have a lot of cancellations at one like you, at one time? You can really start looking much faster at what's happening. Do I need to course correct? So I'm curious, you know, thinking about for a lot of women,
0: especially if we are taking either time off to have children or even like medical leave or family emergency leave. Right. Like that happens. How do you see profit first being a system as a way for women to help kind of take control of their financial futures?
1: Yeah, well, there's kind of the, the planned situation and the unplanned situation. I would handle probably both of those differently. So one of the beautiful things uh, in the Profit First System, again, all the details are, are in the book, but you have that profit account. And so you're moving money to that profit account on a regular basis. Typically, at the end of each quarter, you're going to take half of what is in that account to take home and do something fun. And you're going to leave the other half in the business as an emergency fund. And so just naturally, you're going to build in a reserve there. Also, this is not happening usually on day one of implementing profit first, but you're going to build buffers within each of those accounts as well. So you're going to have a good sense of the ebb and flow of money, but ideally you're going to build a buffer of two, four, six weeks of expenses in those accounts. So that should something happen, there's, there's a couple of different spots that there are buffers. And that is, that is really helpful, right? Something is always better than nothing. Then when it comes to an event that maybe plans, like perhaps maternity leave, or I'm having surgery in a few months, I am a big fan of adding an additional account when there's something like that coming up. Maybe that is a maternity leave account, right? You can call it whatever you want for some of our clients. It's, expansion or, uh, you know, what if something happens or just an emergency account? And then you can start being intentional about putting money in that account so that you're still able to pay yourself while you are on leave. Again, something is always going to be better than nothing. So that helps you look at what is my runway while I am, uh, recovering, right? What, what can I, yeah what can I reasonably expect to take home? You can plan that ahead just with a simple bank account. And you know that money is earmarked for something else. So you're, you're much less likely to accidentally spend it.
0: Well, and you, you kind of hinted at like, okay, this may sound overwhelming. If you're kind of like just starting out with this, this may not be fully where you start with all of these different accounts. If someone is kind of starting out and, and maybe this is goes into it in, in your book. If, if someone's saying, okay, like I want to get started, but this feels like really overwhelming Um, thinking of all these other places that I need to put money. Like, do you have a recommendation of maybe those initial separate accounts to kind of start?
1: Yes. So I will, I usually recommend five or six foundational accounts. So in most cases, your current checking account is going to become your income account. Because especially for insurance practices, we don't want to mess with any, any of that, right? We don't want to r- slow down yeah. <laughs> deposits or anything like that. Um, so that that checking account becomes your income account. Then we are going to have a profit and a tax account. Those can be savings accounts. Then the rest are going to be checking accounts. So we have operating expenses, owner's pay. And then if you have a team, I also recommend having a payroll account. So that's if you have a team of contractors, employees, admin, right? Other people other than you that, that you pay, uh, we're going to add that sixth bank account. So that's usually where I recommend starting before you add other accounts. Um, I And I do talk in the book about customizing the system based on your needs, but I, I, I kind of recommend starting with the foundational accounts, just until you kind of get your sea legs and see how that is working. And um, one of the first steps of implementing Profit First is just running the instant assessment. You're going to look at your practice and see where does your practice stand today. And that's usually where you're going to start because you're not making any wild changes on day one. You're just saying, okay, instead of having all the money in one account, we're just going to split that money up and see how things go. I'm also a big fan of starting with weekly transfers mm. um, and so that means once a week you're going to make transfers from that income account to the other bank accounts that is a little bit different from the the traditional profit for system but that's just from years of experience seeing it takes a good buffer to be able to make it two weeks without transferring money and so I find that going one week is a lot less overwhelming and a lot more doable for most practices where you you all you have to do is that first transfer, has to cover one week of expenses. Can we get there? And usually we can. Um, and so that's a great way to get started. I also kind of love the weekly transfers because if you're doing it every every Friday, for example, it's going to really quickly give you a good idea of the cadence of money going in and out of the practice. And I think sure. that's really valuable as far as knowing as a business owner, like what does this actually look like? There's a whole lot of information there.
0: I'm curious what led you to say, I need to write a book specifically to therapists because I know like Profit First has been around for a while and obviously you are very much invested in our field because that's who you work with, with your accounting firm. But what led you to saying like, okay, I think this is something that's really needed.
1: Well, so we, uh, my team and I, have been profit first professionals for years now, and so we were very used to implementing the system with our clients. As we did that, a lot of clients were coming to us and saying, "I read Profit First. I, I like, I'm drinking the Kool Aid, right? I buy in, but I don't quite get how this makes sense for private practice. Like how I can do this for for it to work for me, because the original book." Is amazing. I love it, but it is a general book, right? It's intended for all industries. And so a lot of clients were coming to us and saying, the, like, these allocations just don't make sense to me. Like it, how can I ever get here? And they were, they were right. This is an industry with a really high cost of labor, for example, right? Um, You don't always have, for example, in an insurance practice. A lot of say on what your reimbursement rate is, right? right? You can ask for an increase, but like that's not something that you control as much as someone doing offering marketing services. So there was just a need for for more clarity. Our goal at my firm is for every practice to be profitable. And we just got to this point where I realized no matter how much we grow, I can never help every single practice out there, right? Mm-hmm. That's just not possible. We just can't ever be big enough for that. And there is a whole segment of the market that, for which, that it just didn't make sense for financially for them to to work with us. And so, I wanted to be able to help more practice owners get this message out there because it works so well in private practice. It works so well. Um, and so, that was that was the goal: just get get the information out there. I think it works particularly well in in mental health because. There's, there's this um, uh, sense of compliance for a lot of practice <laughs> owners, right? And I say that like, I think there's good and bad with that, but but I've never seen a, a therapist client accidentally spend their tax money on a boat or something crazy. Right. in <laughs> other industries, I have seen that. Yeah. And so usually if you have just a guideline, a box, like here are kind of the ways for you to know that you're doing okay, Um, therapists are really good at staying within that box. So I find that it's just helpful to have guidelines to know that you're, you're on the right path.
0: Well, and I think like, I can speak from personal experience when I was able to start using the profit first system. I know like, obviously my podcast is called raised empowered, but that is something I want to encourage. And I strive to help other women feel. And that, Profit first is one of the things that helped me feel empowered because it helped me to really know what money is coming in, where can I save, where can I put additional money aside, whether it was for maternity leave, whether it was for a bonus that I'm able to kind of pull out and you know, pay myself. And that was not built into how I was doing it before. Once I was able to really have kind of those accounts or buckets to put those, you know, that money in when I'm able to then say, okay, like we've paid for this vacation because I put that aside and I, I made that money, right? Like I I did that. It's so empowering. And on those days when you're like, oh, is stuff going right? Or am I making the best decisions? For me, when I've been able to look at like, no, like look at what you've done has just been so encouraging and so empowering for me as a business owner, as a a woman, as a mom. And
1: so, yeah, I'm just a big fan of it. Can I turn the table and ask you some questions? Sure. Okay. All right. So I'm curious, what is the funnest thing you've done with your profit distribution? Mm. So last summer
0: we so we live in Tampa um, and we took a vacation really close by to Clearwater and we stayed at a resort that was like right on the water. And I went into it being like, look to my husband, (laughs) we're not taking all of the beach stuff for our two little ones. We're going to rent everything on the beach. So we're not having to carry it down. We're not going to worry and stress about buying groceries because we were staying in a place that had a kitchen and stuff. We're just going to eat whatever we want to eat and know that it's covered. And so being able to know that that money was there and then being able to like cover birthday party presents and, you know, special things that we've had planned through the year. But that vacation, it was one, it was after that, that I like stepped back and I said to my husband, I was like, I'm really proud of myself.
1: I. That that sounds amazing. Yeah, that that it sounds like that was kind of one of the first vacations where you're like, we're just gonna go all in. Yeah, that was thanks to your profit account. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, how often do you transfer funds? So, I currently have it set up
0: that I do twice a month, where I sit down, and that's when I'm making my transfers. That's kind of when I'm doing my billing. And, you know, paying myself, paying my business expenses if they're, you know, they're, most of them are automated on the credit card, but kind of paying that off. But after I'm listening to you, I'm like, okay, maybe I need to look at this a different way and do it weekly. But yeah, that's kind of how I've currently have it set up is twice a month. Okay.
1: And if it's working, you don't have to, it's not broken, don't fix it. But for someone starting, I, 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 that's one of the things that I've heard often is like, oh, twice a month. I just feel like that's not quite enough. Am I going to miss stuff? Like then, then once a week can, can work. Um, Okay. My last question to you, do you have any special accounts, additional accounts that you have set up? So I have set
0: up a, so it's, it's called a retirement account, but it's not actually my retirement account. The way that my retirement is set up, I have to move it into a separate account and then like write a check to deposit in there. So I have a, an account that is, I consider it part of like my profit first system that when I am kind of going through and doing my breakdown, I have an account for that. I have um, what I call like a bonus account, which is where that's the money that, like I said to my husband, I want to just plan to use this for things that if we're going on trips, we pull stuff out of there. I have used it in the past for things like paying for some like, again, Christmas gifts or like I needed a, a new watch. And so I pulled money from that, but I've just, just like, we've just kind of made the decision like that's going to be kind of our fun spending money so that when we are doing fun things as a family, like it doesn't have to be like, where is this coming out of like our regular budget? Like we have that money set aside.
1: Yeah. I I love it. Love, 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 love.
0: Yeah. Um, and
1: it's so it's so helpful also to know, right. The money is there and hopefully it's for something fun, but like, should there be an emergency? Right. That's never fun, but at least like there are places to pull money from where you're not like, what credit card do we put this? Sure. Or or like, how in the world are we going to pay the ER bill or whatever it may be? Like, I I hope it never comes to that, but I mean, that's so empowering as well to just know that you're going to be okay.
0: No, and actually like this just dawned on me as we're sitting here because we've had to do stuff like that before. We're like, okay, there's a little bit of an emergency. Like we can pull it from there. But when we moved into the house that we currently have, my office is what was a dining room and we needed to close it off. And so we put up beautiful French doors into it and had to have it all done and stuff. And we pulled some of that from the bonus money to do that. And again, it was one of those things I'm like, oh my goodness. Like I put up a wall, I put up doors. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, it was one of those things that that money was just set aside and we didn't like other money we had allocated to do projects on the house. We didn't have to pull from that then. Perfect.
1: Okay. I'm done. Yeah.
0: Thank you for no. this detour. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So if someone is interested in getting your book, where is it going to be available?
1: It is going to be available most at most online retailers where you buy books. So an Amazon, a Barnes and Noble uh, bookshop as well. It's also available on Kindle and Audible as well. Um, I did record the whole thing uh, myself. So uh, that is available as well. And you can also go to our um, website, ProfitFirstForTherapist.com where you can order as well and get some bonuses through the end of the week. Um, you can get an entry to win a one-on-one uh, Profit First Strategy session with me and a few other things as well. So just through that's just through the end of the week. That's available to you as well. And there's a whole lot of other goodies on the Profit First for Therapists website as well. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And I know you have something kind of special for our listeners um, right. of the show.
1: Yes. So if you're interested in finding out more about Profit First, right, but you're not quite ready for the book, if you go to ProfitFirstForTherapist.com slash empower, you can get access to our free workbook. Um, So in that workbook, you're going to have a checklist of here are all the steps that you need to complete to get started with Profit First. Here are the things that you're going to do every time you transfer or quarterly. Um, So it's a really simple guide to just kind of guide you through the beginning steps of Profit First. So again, that's profitfirstfortherapists.com slash empower.
0: And we'll have all of that stuff also linked in the show notes. Julie, I have loved our conversation today and I'm really appreciative of you coming here and sharing your wisdom and knowledge and time with us. This isn't the last that we hear from you. I know, this was so much fun. Thank you, Ashley. You're welcome. Thanks for being a guest today. Thank you so much for listening to the Raise to Empower podcast. Check the show notes for all links and resources mentioned in the show. If you found today's episode helpful or inspiring, be sure to share it with your therapist friends and don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave your five-star rating and review. It truly means so much to me and will help us get our message of empowerment out to other women and mom clinicians. And I'd love to connect with you in our Facebook community. So check out the show notes for the link or head to bit.ly forward slash raise to empower, to join us. I'll see you back here next week.